believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Verse 15, we read this about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, or literally in the Greek, preeminent one over all creation. That's not a birth order. The word gets lost in the translation to English. It has the idea of the heir of all things, not an order of birth. The the cults and false teachers believe this shows that Jesus was uh, created before all creation was made. That's not true. He's always been. He's eternal. So set that straight right now. He is the preeminent one over all creation. For by Jesus, by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, whether visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, those of you that sat under my teaching for a length of time know that I quote this verse about every other Saturday. <laughs> because it's, it's such an important verse to understand, to have the right Jesus, to know who Jesus is, his person, and to know his role in the human experience as God. Now, we know that God is triune in nature. He's made that very clear. And it's clear throughout the Bible that there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune in his nature. Even Genesis 1.1 tells us that in the beginning, God, the word there in the Hebrew is Elohim, which means more than one, within one. It's a compound unity. Then in Genesis 1.2, we're told that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the earth at the dawn of creation. And the creating element of the universe is described to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here, here in the New Testament, being led by the Holy Spirit to remove any confusion there could be about the person of Jesus, it's just so absolutely clear that Jesus is Lord of the universe. Everything that we can see, wherever, wherever you can go to the farthest reaches of what we know is time, space, and matter with the speed of light or sound or these various things, however that all works out in God's universe, uh, that's for him to know, especially because time can be shaped and manipulated in our dimension, even as it stands. Jesus is Lord of the universe. And we need to make this very clear. When we give our life to Christ, we're opening our heart to the Lord of the universe. Now, Jesus is creator of all things. We just read that. So if people don't want to believe that Jesus created the universe, that's their prerogative and their choice because God gives us choice. We'll come back to that. But let's be very clear. The Bible within itself objectively proclaims that Jesus is God and he made everything. So if the world wants to try and harmonize world religions, which is ludicrous, and different world religious leaders, which is also ludicrous, and try and say it's all one way, it's just, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Because all the other world leaders that you might have that were leaders of religion or human philosophies, they're not God. They're not the son of God. 
They didn't make the universe. They're not eternal. They don't exist outside the universe. They didn't decree time, space, and matter. They don't say to Job, where were you when I set the constellations in order? They don't. They're men. They're women. They lived. They were sinners. They taught various philosophical religious beliefs, and they died, and their bones were in the grave. This week, the Church of Jesus Christ, we celebrate the risen Savior. He conquered the grave because he's over the grave, and he's beyond the grave because he's Lord of the universe. Death could not hold him down. It's a wonderful week for Christians this week. This week, remind us during Passion Week that we are going to reign with him in glory, and that all that we see is temporal. And one day, as 2 Peter chapter 3 says, all that we know, God's going to release what's holding this universe together and it's going to melt with a fervent heat. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And it is not yet revealed what we'll be when we're in eternal glory, but when he comes in his glory, we will be in his glory. Christ enough, Christ in us, the hope of glory coming up in this very chapter later on that statement. So Jesus is Lord of all and all things are for him. So he reveals the Father. We know that. In, God, in John chapter 1, it says, No one has seen the Father any time, but the only begotten of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ. He has revealed them full of grace and truth. So when we see Jesus, we see God, the heart of God. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. When Jesus was revealed in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father said, This is my Son, hear him. You've got Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, but they point to him, so hear him. It's all about Jesus. It's not about Moses and Elijah. We don't build them tabernacles, Peter. It's about him. It's about the Son. It's all about Jesus. Everything that we're born for from the time we come into this world as young babies, we just put up the new baby photos or grandkid photos in the house. Yesterday, Jennifer went to CVS and got the latest prints. You know, so there's Clementine at three months, and there's Zippy at two years and a quarter, and there's uh, Velzy at a little over six months. And I'm sitting there looking at them like, all three of those children were created by Jesus Christ and how he set up his universe. And the uniqueness of who they are is from Jesus Christ. And their purpose to be alive is for Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. And my role in their life as a grandparent is to pray for them for Jesus Christ and to influence them for Jesus Christ and to win them for Jesus Christ and commit them to Jesus Christ when I step into eternity or if they step into eternity before me because who can know for sure how that will play out. All things. He's the image of the Father. So all all we need to know what God is like is to look at how Jesus Christ is. So he came into the world, the one who made the world, and he humbled himself to come die the death of the cross, and he reveals the heart of God. He reveals to us how God would respond to the woman caught in adultery. He reveals to us how he treats a tax collector ripping people off. He reveals to us how he sees drunkards and sinners, what he thinks of organized religion in place of relationship, usurping his role in relationships with people. What he thinks about people adding on to the word of God and making it difficult to know God through legalism. What he thinks about people who take from God's word and say, we just don't believe it, so therefore we're not going to live it. Uh, we don't want to live it, therefore we're not going to believe it. The Sadducees. He, he, he reveals God's heart toward all humanity. Those 33 years of perfect sinless life. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? He said to his parents at 12 when they found him in the temple. Everything he did reveals God the Father. That's why it's so wonderful just to plow through the Gospels over and over and over and see how Jesus interacted with people and the value of people. The woman with the flow of blood touching his tassels or blind by Aramaeus. What can I do for you that I receive my sight? He says, your faith has made you well. Go your way. We see how 
what would God think? There was that song in the 90s, What If God Were Among Us? And it was a popular song. It came out in 95 when I was working room service in Vermont. And I always remember, like, the people I worked with really liked that song. I'm like, well, I can tell you what God is like because he came among us through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's so. Now, we're told that Jesus, all things are for him. Well, all things are by him, verse 16. So everything that we see is by Jesus. Nothing exists that's not by him. So the microscopic world, the outer space, and everything as far as you could go, it's all by him. It didn't Big Bang uh, evolve from uh, inanimate matter to become a living. Very clearly, we're created. By the way, my morning devotions, I started Genesis this week, so I've had a very appropriate personal devotions in the book of Genesis running parallel to this as well. So all things are created that are in, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So he made everything. So the fallen angels that were good angels before they chose to rebel against God, he made them of another dimension. He made them. And it says, the all, all princip- dominions, principalities, and powers, all things are created through him, but more importantly, they're made for him. You know, popular book in the 80s. It was one of my favorite books before I got saved. It was called Looking Out for Number One by Zig Ziglar. That's how we think. We look out for number one. And so often, people that are self-centered, they want everything to revolve around them. They're like a gravitational pull. It's all about them. So when you come to their world, you know, you have to revolve around them because it's all about them. And when I actually was training with the USOC to deal with elite athletes, we were taught how to revolve around people that are super great athletes and understand their world. And we had to revolve around them and cater to them and, and make sure that they felt good about everything so they go out and win gold medals. And I was like, wow, hmm, I'm not sure if I'm cut for this. Because it isn't all about us, and the, and the most people that are difficult to be with are people that are the center of their universe, and everything has to orbit around them. That's how people are in the world without Christ. When we come to Christ, Christ is enthroned in our heart. Bill Bright in the old ministry used to have Campus Crusade for Christ. He had that illustration of when Christ is enthroned in your heart, and you had a like a throne on the heart, literally, and everything's in order. But when Christ is not enthroned, everything's in disorder. Jesus is the center of the universe, and everything revolves around Jesus. Everything is made for Jesus. You and I, all the animal kingdom, even the flies that have shown up this week, those, and those big mosquito things that don't sting, all that's going on in spring right now, it is all made for Jesus. There is nothing that's not made for Jesus. Now, there's mutating uh, problems with the fallen world as a result of Adam's sin coming into the world. And I often think, what would these things do before sin? You know, like those big old mosquitoes that fly in and live for two days. I'm like, what was their purpose before sin? Like, what did they do in the garden? But what's it for me to figure out? That's, that's in God's category. But still, I think, like, they served a purpose. They did. And all things are made for Christ. And when you look at the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1 and 2, everything God says day, each day in their literal days, it was good. There's nothing. It's all good. And God rested. It was all good. When he made Adam, it was good. When he made Eve, it was good. And he gave them stewardship together, and it was good. And they were naked. They were not ashamed. And it was good. He made all things for himself. And you know, him coming to die on the cross and rise from the grave is a set in order what was lost by the head of our race, Adam, when he fell with his wife, Eve. And all that chaos they brought in the universe, it extends to the farthest rims of the universe goes as it's expanding and dying at the same time. Jesus Christ's blood on the cross covers all the chaos and disorder in this universe, physically and spiritually. It's incredible to think that through. It was all made for him, and when he came and died on the cross, he redeemed back to himself 
what was his. That's why it was spoken by God in the garden that concerning Satan, that he would bruise the Savior's heel, but the Savior would crush the head of the serpent. The first prophecy concerning Jesus Christ as the Redeemer in Genesis 3.15. And all the workings through the Old Testament in human history bring us to when Christ came and what we celebrate this week with Holy Week, when he came and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave. All things, verse 16, were created through him and for him. So it's not like he just made something, but it's made for him. Now you think, well, okay, but he's worthy. See, people make certain things for certain people or whatever, but God made everything for himself. And because God is good and God is love and God is light and him is no darkness at all, everything he made is good and the purposes of an existence is good. David said it best when he said, as for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. God's ways are perfect and all that he made is good. And it's hard for us to get that in our fallen minds with a sinful nature that skews our thinking and affects our moral conscience even on the best day without Christ before we come to Christ. But it is true, and that's why God said through the prophet Isaiah, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts above your ways. So if we are left to ourselves as a moral compass of right and wrong, we do not have a proper compass from our conscience in a fallen nature to know right and wrong, let alone to understand the deeper things of God. But when we come to Christ, he gives us that peace, and we truly begin to know that God is good. As David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is before all things because he's outside of time, and all things uh, are created for him. And again, verse 17, he's before all things. Jesus is eternally existent as a creator. He's before. He spoke it. Let us make man in our image. And in him, verse 17, all things consist. We're held together by the Lord. Jennifer, my wife, talked about this when I first met her, and she was a biology major, and she kept talking about atomic glue. I guess that's how they referred to it back in the 80s at UCSD. But they couldn't explain why, like, the neutrons and protons are certain things that's way beyond me, and I'm not that interested to understand it scientifically anyways, but that there's no explanation for why the whole universe system blow up right now, like how it holds together, like how everything is held together. And we are told right here in this verse, this whole universe is held together literally by Jesus Christ. And if he just removes himself from this universe, it just goes Boom. It really is the big bang of God letting all go, which again, Second Peter chapter 3 says will happen before God creates a new heaven and a new earth. In him, all things consist. Our very breath is in his hands. And it's interesting to me when you think about Jesus as a creator, because he's not everyone's savior, but he's everyone's creator. And there's no randomness with that. And it's like he gives us all choice. And here's something interesting about Jesus being the creator. See, he could have made us robots. Like, you know, there's such a buzz with artificial intelligence right now. Everything's AI, and that's all you hear about. And it, it, where it's all going, who knows, okay? But the, that you can create robots to do all these different things. In fact, uh, Mike and I were, he was showing me where he works, and you know, with all these things that the robots do and packaging boxes, with, it's crazy. And it's just like, wow, you know, there's, there's artificial intelligence in these things that you can do. But because God is love... He's, he has the emotion of love. It's a relationship. And he didn't make us as robots, as artificial intelligence. He didn't make a robot to share the universe with and his love and his glory with that robotically 
yes, I love you, no, you know, yes, I love you, yes, master, whatever kind of a thing. But he gave us the same thing he gave the angels and the same thing he gives himself in his nature, choice. And he created us with choice. And that's why it's so critical in understanding that there in Genesis, it's not mythological or allegorical. It's literal. There literally was, and there absolutely is, there was and will be a tree of life that was to be dependent upon the Lord. And there was absolutely a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was the choice by which love could be shown to the creator by those who created Adam and Eve. And the creation of Adam and Eve is so special because God spoke everything in existence except Adam and Eve. He formed Adam and he formed Eve. Because he said, let us make man in our image. All the rest of the universe does not have the capacity to know God personally and worship God and have that relationship with God in the cognitive capacities that humanity can. It's an amazing thing. But it's a choice. It is a choice. The the gospel's choice. That we have a self-determination and a free will to respond to that love that God shows us or to reject that love that God shows us. And that's what's so amazing about he is before all things and in him all things consist. So if people choose to curse the Lord and blaspheme against the Lord or waste their time, space, and matter that God's given them in their timeline of their generation, it's their choice. But you know, you don't hear people cursing Buddha, Muhammad, or Moses, or Darwin. You only hear people cursing Jesus Christ because he's God, and that's not by accident. They don't curse men who are men or women. No one curses Mary... Baker Eady, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they curse Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the world have I ever heard anyone curse a religious leader or a philosophical leader when they're upset. They curse Jesus Christ, and that's the self determination and the free will he gives us. In the very breath we have, we can choose to praise the Lord or curse the Lord. With the very gift of time that we have, we can choose to fulfill our purpose from the Lord or throw it away. And we all must choose what we're going to do. But Jesus is Lord of the universe. And so I just kind of set this before we move on, before us. I set this before us, before we move it on. If he's holding the universe together, he can hold you together. When we say, I'm barely holding on, hey, he's, he's, he's got us. He's holding us together. He's got us. Jesus has us. He didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave to let us unravel at the seams, leave us on our own to unravel at the seams. He rose from the grave in total victory so that we can live a victorious life dependent upon him and trusting in him. It's in our weakness that he is made strong and our dependency for him is made greater revealed to us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He is holding the entire universe together, and he's got the details of our life, your life, covered, and we can trust him with it. He determined when you'd be born, your conception. He determined when you'd be born. He determined your boundaries and your timeline, and he's got it. And we can trust him with what he's doing in our life. We don't have to understand what he's doing in our life, but we can understand who is in charge of our life and who's over our life, and we can fully trust him with all things. And we can know that in his character and his nature, all that he does is good, and therefore all things will work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose and being conformed to the image of his Son, as spoken to us in Romans chapter 8. He is the creator of the universe. He is creator of the universe, and he's Lord of this church. 
and he's the Lord of the church age. Verse 18, we read on now. So he's, he's the creator. Verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Again, preeminent one. That in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or, or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Jesus is Lord of the church. And the church of Jesus Christ is about relationship with Jesus Christ, the head. We know that many churches and denominations reduce the Christian faith to being a club, a community, a belief system, devoid of relationship with the Lord. And we don't ever want to do that in our personal life, let alone do that in an organized religious sense. As our human body has a head, and as the Lord describes the church as a body, particularly in 1 Corinthians 12, that Jesus is the head. He's the head of the church. He's, he's over it. Like, he's the groom, we're the bride. Another uh, analogy we get about Jesus and the church. He's the head. The church isn't about what we can build temporally in time for the kingdoms of men. That's like the Tower of Babel. Let us do this and let us ascend into heaven. Let us do all that. And, and there's been so many men and women 2,000 years in church history who have hijacked Jesus being the preeminent one in the church and made it about men who are the preeminent one or wealth the preeminent one or belief systems that are additions or subtractions from God's word that are the preeminent one. The uniqueness of our faith in Jesus Christ and what the world calls Christianity, biblical Christianity, is that we, each one of us individually, have heard the message of Jesus Christ as the Son of God dying on the cross for our sins, and we have received him. And we have been, through faith in him, we've experienced what you cannot experience in any other way, that is to be born again through the Holy Spirit, converting us, and we pass from death to life. And we pass from hopelessness to all the promises of God. It is only in Jesus Christ that that can happen. And we we come into the church through faith in Jesus Christ, not a church membership or a church baptism or a church catechism or a period of time of classes that you take. We come into the church, we pass from death to life when we receive Christ. For it says in the Gospel of John, as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God, not born of the will of man, not born of blood, not born of flesh, but born of God. And it's important to understand that. In the history of churches, particularly state churches in the past, there was baptisms with infants to identify with the nationality or ethnicities, particularly in the, you know, Europe in the 1300s, 1400s, 1500s, where you had these state churches. And they were, gov- they were government controlled. The idea of separation of church and state was because governments controlled churches, even like the Chinese do right now with state, you know, communism and the government and all the suppression they brought upon their state churches don't even preach the gospel anyways. What's going on in China right now? The idea of the separation of church and state is render to God the things that are God and Caesar the things that are Caesar. And we respect human government because God tells us to, but our highest allegiance is always to Christ. Always, always to Christ. 
because he's the head of the church. And the church is the eternal kingdom of God on earth before it's going to be there in heaven. When we see the kingdom of God in heaven beyond this dimension, it is a reflection of what the kingdom of God is on earth, the church. No one is in Revelation 5 singing, worthy is the lamb who has not received Christ in time, space, and matter and saying, worthy is the lamb this side of eternity. No one can bow the knee in heaven and know the Lord and say, Jesus Christ is Lord in eternity and be part of the kingdom without having first bowed the knee in time, space, and matter through faith in this life before that. The church here is a living organism that represents eternity to our generation in every generation. And Jesus is the head of the church and he's the preeminent one in the church. He's that preeminence. Churches that worship Jesus and the church is universal and Jesus is worshiped, I'm, I'm pretty safe to say, in every time zone on this planet today, especially with Holy Week coming up, Jesus is worshiped by believers of thousands of different dialects and different cultures and societies and ethnicities this coming week in a special way as we celebrate the resurrected Jesus Christ. And it's a universal church, and we're a local church that's part of that. And Jesus is the head. He's the head of this church. And he's a preeminent one. People might visit us and say, why do these Christians sing all these songs about Jesus? Because he's the Savior. He's Lord of the universe, and he's head of the church. Why do people go to political rallies and, and swoon over politicians? Why do people go to sports events and swoon over athletes? Those are men. Those are women. They come and go, and they're flawed and marred with sin. We worship Jesus Christ, the sin, the Savior. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.